You're listening to The Shelter, Stories of Redemption. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please visit ProvidenceRescueMission.org. Now, here's your host, Michael David. Hey guys, Michael David here. Welcome to The Shelter, where we tell stories of redemption. Today we have a special guest, Milton here, who is from Newport, Rhode Island. And he has a story that is intriguing, as we were talking a little bit before we became on we came on air. And he literally just got here less than a week ago. And we are going to hear his story about how he has got here, where he came from, and where he wants to go. So, Milton, how are you? I'm good. Milton, you know, you told me you were, you were here. You tell me you came from Newport, Rhode Island. Tell me about that. How did you... How did you get here? It was a long battle of addiction and alcoholism. Now, when you say addiction, what kind of addiction? Because it's funny. I was just telling you earlier. I'm from like a white picket fence neighborhood. Like the worst thing that happened in our neighborhood was someone stole something like a baseball from a kid or something. Like, you know, we we didn't have at least um, we didn't see addiction like drugs, alcohol, pornography, things of that nature. So. When you say addiction, what do you mean addiction? Well, I've tried many drugs in my lifetime, but my drug of choice that has brought me to my lowest has been crack cocaine. Really? Now, you're 39 years old, you were saying. Yes, and sir. And we're, we're, we're the, I'm 38, going to be 39, and we're pretty much the same age. It's, I'm always curious how people get to the point of the choices that they make. How did you get from, hey, I'm a teenager. I listen to music. I play sports. You look like you're athletic. You play, you look, you look, you play sports growing up, I'm assuming. Yes, I did. So how did you go from, hey, I grew up, play sports, listen to music, and then all of a sudden you came to a crossroads and you were like, okay, I can continue doing what I'm doing, having fun, being a teenager, all of a sudden, okay, I'm about to grow up really quick and go down a path that probably isn't the best. Well, I grew up in a troubled home. Okay. My mother and father was addicts and alcoholics, and I've seen them using drugs most of my life. I really? had a lot of behavioral problems growing up. Okay. Um. Over the years, I never really used when I was younger. I smoked pot. I've tried alcohol at a young age. Sure. And I didn't get to anything hard until I got out into the world and meeting different people and being around it. I believe I struggle from depression and anxiety, personality disorder. And over the years, the depression that I went through brought me to using. And it's been a a long road. Right now, I'm just trying to better myself and get back into my children's lives. Okay, so you have you have a couple kids? Yes, I have five. Five kids. Five children. My eyebrows just went up. I'm like, wow, five kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, 
here's my question for you. So you said your parents were always using. Did they do drugs in front of you? It wasn't too much in front of me. But you knew about it? Yes, I did. How did that affect their parenting? My mother did what she could to take care of me and my sister. She um, stole everything that we needed. She did make sure we have everything we needed. But she was back and forth from jail. My father was back and forth from into jail and prison. And me and my sister was left basically to family members back and forth. I was young, living house to house at friends' houses. and So you never actually had a stable, um, stable uh, up, up, upbringing? No, not at all. Tom, I'm going to go a little bit deep here. And you can tell me if it's too deep here, but having parents who um, were never really there, they're always using, they always chose drugs over kids and stuff like that. Did you guys ever feel um, unwanted? Time to time. Yeah. No. Did that lead into your depression, you think? The trauma that I went through growing up, yes. Yeah. That was a big part of my depression. And I still, to this day, don't think I got over a lot of it. Um, when I think of the past, it still hurts me till this day. Yeah. But I know what they did what they could do mm-hmm. with their addictions for me and my sister. And I don't blame them anymore. Yeah. I forgave them all. Do they understand the consequences of what they've done? I believe my mother did. Yeah. She moved away from Rhode Island some years back and cleaned herself up. My father, till this day, still uses and drinks, and I've used with him. So I don't think he he has a lot of mental health issues. Okay. So I don't think he... Truly gets it. No, not at all. So when you were, when you were um, going through these situations with your family and your um, parents and your... You were being bounced around different families and houses and couches and beds and you know not sleeping anywhere in the same location for a long period of time where were you where, what was your outlet what were you trying to find common ground was it with friends was it with video games what what, what were you doing to try to find happiness like where the, is that where the drugs actually came in once you um, realized, hey, listen, I have no, I have no love at home. My parents say they love me, but they're choosing drugs over me. I'm, I'm somewhere different. Is that where the drugs and alcohol started coming in? I think um, socialism, like socializing, yeah, was a big part of my life. I loved being around friends. I was, I wanted to be 
known and my behavioral issues um, growing up in school, I was popular, very yep. popular. And I didn't start using harder drugs till I left Rhode Island when I was 12. So you left when you were 12? Yes. Okay. And where did you go again? I went to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. That sounds like a very different place than Rhode Island. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. Um, my father was in prison. Now, my what was he in prison for? Assault. Okay. My mother had nowhere for me to stay. I was living. Uh, my aunt, my father's sister had custody of me, but they couldn't control me. I hung with all the older guys out in the projects. I sold drugs for them. Was it like kind of like gangs? Out in Newport, I don't believe it was gangs. It's a small area. So it's just the wrong crowd. Yes. Okay. And so the older guys. So you're saying when you lived with your, so you were in Oklahoma when you were 12, when you came back and lived with your. No, this is before I got sent away. Oh, okay. I was getting to where I got sent away. I was running the streets. My aunt couldn't control me. I was always picked up by the police mm. for behavior and fighting. And my mother and aunt chose to buy me a ticket and send me down to Oklahoma with my dad's older children. Okay. My older sisters and their mother. And they told me I was only going for the summer to go visit my sister. And they sent me on a plane by myself at 12 years old. By yourself? By myself. At 12 years old? Yes. When wow. I got down there, they put me as a ward of the court and told me Rhode Island wouldn't let me back till I was 18. Is that true? Not, well, not well, I know you're saying it's true, but is that what Rhode Island actually said? I believe so. Wow. Because of my behavior, and they was going to lock me up because of the things I was doing when I, before I left. Now, did you have any remorse for the things that you were doing? No. No. Well, back then, I'm saying. Nothing. No. Wow, okay. I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't know no better. It was the way I was raised. Yeah. That's interesting. So you get to Oklahoma. Then, um, so you're in Oklahoma when you're 12. You get there. Now, your dad's in prison in Oklahoma? No, my dad was in prison in Rhode Island. In, okay, so in, now in Oklahoma, is he still in prison at that time? Yes. So now you're living with... Um, His ex-wife and how, my older sisters. And how, was that, how did that go? She tried to take care of me as good as possible. I had a nice, we lived in a nice townhouse. I was in a nice school. She changed the way I dressed, made sure I had everything I needed. But I didn't like how I was treated in the household. I was the only boy. I was always in trouble because I brought the lifestyle from Rhode Island down to Oklahoma, and I wasn't ready to change. So, if I'm hearing you correctly, they did a good job trying to raise you down there. Yes. It's just that you brought your problems from Rhode Island to Oklahoma, and without the willingness to change, it just created kind of a little bit of a chaos in the house. Yes. Interesting. Okay. So, you get to Oklahoma, and how long were you in Oklahoma for? I was in Oklahoma for seven years. Until you were 19? 
Yes. Wow. Okay. Now, what made you go back to Rhode Island? Um, while I was in Oklahoma, I left the household. I got into school. Okay. I was doing pretty good, but in the town that I was in, it was either you're in a gang or you're alone. Sure. So I got into a gang and I found my own family. I didn't like the way I was treated in the household, so I ran away and left and started living house to house with friends from the gang that I was in. So... I'm talking to we we were on our this is gonna be our ninth podcast, and talking to multiple people here. There's a few people who are in gangs or involved in gangs. What is it about gangs that draws people to gangs? I thought of the gang that I was in more as my brothers. Really, they were family to me. They became family to me. And they took care of me. Um, even though I wasn't doing the right things mm-hmm. down there, I always had somewhere to turn and somebody always on my side. It was real violent. And that's the reason I left Oklahoma because I got into the gang too deep, I believe. Yep. To where I think I would have been dead or in prison for the rest of my life if I would have stuck with it. So it may not have been the best choice to join the gang, but it was a good choice to get out of the gang. Yes. I met a girl while I was in the gang. Sure. And she had family down in Texas. And she took me from Oklahoma down to Texas with her with her family. And that's how I got out of the gang. Mm-hmm. She... I didn't see my mother in, I think, eight years. Eight years. Eight years I was away from my mother, and I I blamed her because they told me I was only going for the summertime. Mm-hmm. And I blamed her for many years because I missed her so much mm-hmm. in my family, and I blamed her for the things that I got myself into down there. Sure. How did she respond to that? Um, she didn't even know I was coming back to Rhode Island, and I kind of snuck up on her. Okay. The girl that I was with bought a ticket for me and her to come up to Rhode Island, and I came up because I had money. My aunt had money in the bank of mine. Sure. And I was old enough to get it. So I came up to Rhode Island to visit and see my mother again and get my money out of the bank. And at that time, I was living a pretty good life. I was in Texas. I came up, got my money, um, showed the girl that I was with a different life because she's never been by an ocean. Oh, oh really? Yeah, it's the Midwest, so... it was a lot different than no, up is this, here. Is this the girl that you have a child with? No. No, okay. Um, I took my money. I got engaged, moved back down to Texas with her, got an apartment, a car, started working, and then me and her relationship started getting violent. Sure. 
and I had no family down there. Yep. I was away from the gang. I only had her and her family. Well, at this time, were you still using the cocaine? And I didn't even start. I, I, uh, while I was in the gang, I tried a lot of different drugs while I was down there. Sure. It was more, I thought of them as party drugs at the time. Yeah. When it was over, it was over. I wasn't chasing anything. I tried crystal meth. I've tried acid. Mm-hmm. I've tried a lot of different things. Sure. And when I got back to Rhode Island, I left her and came back to Rhode Island on my own. And then I started having children out here. I met a girl out here. I started having children. And depression um, came over me more and more over the years. And I didn't know what to do with it. And I think I self-medicated myself to block everything out. Sure. And that's when it got bad. And I think that's a, such a, um, a natural thing to do with people. Um, some people, when they're depressed, they eat. Some people, when they're depressed, they buy stuff. Some people, when they're depressed, they look at pornography. Some people, when they're depressed, they do drugs. I think that it's the natural human instinct to f- try to find happiness somewhere. It's almost like you have a cup, and in that, you, you cut the bottom of the cup off and you get water and you put it in under in the cup in the sink you put it under the faucet and you let the water run and you're trying to fill that cup with something but unfortunately because the bottom's cut out you're never going to fill that cup so they keep doing it more and more and more and more and then all of a sudden they're so far into it they're like how the crap did i get over here is that kind of what happened to you you were kind of filling you were trying to fill your cup of happiness and all of a sudden it's like I'm not happy. Yes, I drank daily for a long time. Alcohol was my choice at first. Yeah. And I drank and drank. And every day I needed it after a while. And then I started using other drugs because the alcohol wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just got worse and worse. So... You came to Rhode Island, you um, started using more drugs in Rhode Island, and you started drinking, and the drinking just wasn't a social drink, it was more dependent, like you needed that drink to get through the day, or even just to start your day. Definitely. It ruined my relationships with my children's mother. Mm-hmm. Which ultimately probably ruined your relationships with your kids? Is that, is that, is that, is that a safe assumption, or...? No, I don't believe that okay. was the problem. Like, um, I was with my first kid's mother for eight years, and I drank every day. Oof. And it got abusive, so I moved out of the house on her and my children and got do you my regret, own place. Do you regret doing that? No, no, it was for their sake. Yep. Because I had alcohol problems and their mother was kind of really violent Mm -hmm. and we always argued in front of them and i thought it would be better for them i was still there i just didn't live there sure i was there daily 
I just didn't live there. I had my own little efficiency, so I can leave when the argument started. Okay. Give her a break. Me so the house was, the, the, when you got your own apartment, it was more for the sake of, you knew because you lived there so long that you were going to argue on a regular basis, but you needed somewhere to go. Yes. That So when basically, before it got, before it got, out of hand, you had somewhere to go as like a safe haven to be okay. I'm I'm at a house. I'm by myself. I have somewhere to sleep tonight. I need to go here so it doesn't get violent. And all of a sudden, I'm in a jail cell sleeping at night. Definitely. Me and her was together for eight years, and it was a bad breakup i yeah. i was really depressed we were still together when i left the house and she started seeing somebody behind my back Ooh. and it hurt me and just the thought of her having my children around another man besides their father and when i left her or when she left me i still had my own efficiency and I still drank every day, but I was connected to a shelter like this place is. Sure. My efficiency was in the same building okay. as a shelter. Now, when you say efficiency, what do you, what do you mean by the, your efficiency? Efficiency apartment is public housing. Sure. It's a room with a fridge, yep. sink, microwave. It has it's a like bathroom in it. It's like an apartment, nice. like a studio, basically. Yep. Small, but it was big enough for Guess me. Gets the job done. Yes, it did. Yeah. And while I was there, I tried to keep busy. So I was always doing my laundry, always cooking. And I started talking to another girl that I met that was in the shelter. And I didn't know her. I was trying to get to know her and just block out the thought of my other, my kid's mother. And... I made a mistake and slept with this girl. Ooh. And within a month of talking to her, she was pregnant with my only daughter. So it was hard for me to, at first I wouldn't even tell my kid's mother, I wouldn't tell my sons. I have three sons mm -hmm. with my first kid's mother. I was afraid that they wouldn't want to be around me, wouldn't want to talk to me because I'm having more children and I'm not there with them as much. Yeah. Now, did you eventually tell them? Yes, I did. How did that go over? They were still young, but I had them all the time. Yeah. Like, I forgave their mother. She eventually forgave me for having another baby. She sure. She realized that is their sibling. Yep. And it was their sister. Yeah. So, I had them all the time, and... I got that my second kid's mother out of the shelter and got mm -hmm. an apartment for me and her and my daughter. And I always had my boys over. Yeah. So it was like I had two separate families that I had to take care of now. Now, how so? How did you get here? Now I know you guys. I know you had the issues with the drug and alcohol, and you were in another location at one time. But how did you get to the Providence Rescue Mission? Because your journey is pretty, for being 39 years old, you could write a book. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, 
Well, to make it short, me and my other kid's mother had another child. I have a so little five boy. Kids I have five children. I had another son. Do you plan on having any more? Ha- no, I had a v- <laughs> I had a vasectomy, so nice. I won't have to. Listen, my worry wife has that. been trying to get me get a vasectomy for the longest time. I told my wife because, like, so my church is having a Nerf war gun tonight. I go, honey, I'm gonna go to the Nerf war, not wear a cup. I'm gonna say, everyone, just shoot me five times each. We'll avoid, <laughs> we'll avoid the surgery. <laughs> It's not a hard surgery. Yeah. 30 minutes in the doctor's office and you're at home on the couch. That's what I'm talking about. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll do it. <laughs> anyway, but, so yeah. Yeah. Um, I spent six years taking care of her and my son and my other three boys. And I worked. Now, what did you worked. work? Um, I did masonry work for five years. And then I got into a kitchen and tried to become manager of Wendy's nice. out in Middletown. And I just worked, and the whole time that I was working, my other kid's mother was cheating on me. And within that time, my first kid's mother moved back to Mass with my sons, and I couldn't be there for them like I was when they was in Rhode Island, Newport. Yeah. So she lost them because she got got on to pills and started taking pills, and it was unsafe. She had somebody with a violent past inside of the household and she lost my kids to the state. So your kids were lost to the state. Now, how long ago was that? This was probably like six years ago. Now, where are your kids now? Do they, are they with the state still or? When me and my second kid's mother split up, I worked for public housing, worked on getting public housing because I had no back record. I got all my charges expunged from my record. That's good. To become manager of the placement that I, the store I was at. And I fought Massachusetts and Rhode Island for three years to get custody of my sons. That's awesome. Did you win? I did win. That is awesome. With the help of a woman that. That just gave me chills up my spine. That gave me chills up my spine because... It was the hardest thing I've done in my life. That shows how much you love your kids. Like, you're like, you know someone, I've been through hell and back, and I have not made the best choices, but I'm changing. You're like, I want to change. And I want my kids to grow up in a way that I didn't. I had a great woman, spiritual woman. She was younger than me, but she had everything going for her, her Mind was set on what she wanted to do. She was the greatest, and she was on my side, and she helped me through the battle of my children. That yeah. I, and when I got custody of my children, I had my own place for them: three bedroom, three floors, two bathroom apartment of my own. And I ended up marrying this woman. Wait, what? <laughs> I ended up marrying her. Really? And moving her into my household of my sons. So you married the person who helped you get custody of your sons? Yes. I was I fell in love with her. Wow. I, she she wanted to marry me and I wouldn't because I felt less than a man. She bought an eight passenger truck and only had two daughters. Like I moved her into the house and that was my mistake because I wasn't my sons wasn't ready okay. to have a woman in the house. They needed more time with me. Yep. 
and it wasn't their mother. They just went over the, they was raised by her, their mom, and all of a sudden she gave up on them and disappeared, went to Florida, and abandoned them, and they, I was all they had. So yeah. once I put a woman in the household, and she had two daughters, and there was no daughters in my house, no girls in my house, it was just my three sons and her two daughters, and I didn't think at the time that it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. I was only thinking of, oh, this is the woman I want to help me raise my children. Yeah. Now, how long ago was this? This was f- five years ago. So five years ago. Now, within that five years, how did you get to here? Because um, like, the, cause the like t- to come, what I realized, and I could be totally wrong, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but... I feel like when people come here, it's almost like an, an aha moment. It's like, aha, I need help. I can't do this on my own anymore. Yeah. Um, the house with my sons and my wife and daughters being together and me moving them in together so fast, everything went wrong. Yeah. I started getting more depressed over the time because nothing was working out. Sure. Like, we was in love, and it wasn't us. I think the kids was trying to break us apart, and her daughters didn't like me. My sons didn't like her because that's not their mom. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't, it wasn't working out. And I was getting more and more depressed, and I wasn't seeking the help that I needed. Were you, now remember you said that you grew up in the church in a way. Where's God in all this? Like, where's your, where's your head in, like... At the time, I put God to the side. Yeah. And I started using, and my wife didn't know that I was using. And an incident happened where my son's mother got her life together, but she lived down in Florida and was she abandoned them at first and then got her life together and I made a choice to let them go and visit their mother for the summer this was like two years ago okay and in that time of them being in Florida with their mom and almost time to come back and start school I got into an incident where her daughter, my wife's daughter, locked me out of my apartment and I hit the door and got arrested. And they put a no contact order on me and she wouldn't drop it at first and they wanted to evict me from my house and give it to her. Okay. I was trying to get my sons back so up here to start school and I didn't want an eviction on my record because I wouldn't be able to get public housing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I signed my name off the lease. Okay. And gave my apartment or my son's apartment to my wife and her daughters. Now, you're still, are you still married to this woman? I am. Really? How's that going? Not good at all. Me and her don't talk anymore. She moved another man into the house. But you're still married. We are married. Interesting. So you're still married. She moved another man into the house. Does she consider you your does she consider you her husband? I 
don't know at the time. I don't. I know she knows that I'm her husband. Yeah. But I don't know her feelings because I don't talk to her. Me and her stopped talking because she didn't know I was using from the depression that was mm-hmm. going on in the house, and I was hiding it. Sure. And I came clean, and it broke her. And she didn't feel the same. She couldn't trust me anymore. She basically gave up on us. Sure. And I just blocked it out and kept using. Mm-hmm. And then you came here. Yes. I recently was in my own efficiency again. I mm-hmm. went back to the same place that I went to before. Yeah. The director of the building used to run the Talbert house in Providence. Okay. And she knows about my addictions over the years. And she gave me an efficiency. But with the breakup of me and my, the separation of me and my wife, and then me not being able to get my children back up here and having nowhere for them to go, and basically having to give them back to their mother for good that has lost them, it just broke me. And I started using more and more and more. And the people that I put myself around, because my father is in the same building that I live in, and then other people, it was there every day. I didn't have to pay for anything. Yeah. The drugs was just there. I started running for drug dealers and making them money in order to get myself high. So it was it was a never-ending use of drugs. Mm-hmm. So you're here now. You got here, what, last week? I got here last week. A week before last, the director of my efficiency brought me into her office and told me she is done. She's given up. She can't do it. She knows what I've been doing. She knows I've been using crack cocaine and running back and forth throughout the building using and selling and she said she was not allowing me back into my efficiency until I got the help I needed and at that time I didn't have nowhere to go so she put me into the streets and And how and how long between going back into the streets and coming here was that When I walked out of her door, that was exactly a week and a day. And I walked from her door crying all the way up Broad Street in Newport with nothing. Nowhere to turn, burnt all my bridges. I had no friends to go stay at their house. My sister wouldn't talk to me because of my drug use. And I made it to the hospital. I bet I was suicidal. I didn't want to live. I had nowhere to go. So they put me on Tower 8, which is a behavioral unit in the hospital. And Thursday, 
they told me that no facility would take me because I tested positive for MRSA and I had my hopes up in getting into the Salvation Army program, which I completed in the past because of my drug addiction. Mm -hmm. And I called the director of my building and she said, I'm sorry, you cannot come back here. Try the missions in Providence. Providence. So at that time, my mother was looking in Maine to get me into a facility. And I got the number of the missions but I thought it was just a shelter. Mm -hmm. And when I talked to them, I'm like, are you gonna be putting me out into the streets? I was so scared to come here. And they said, no, you can sit here. There might not be room in the program right now, but there's a walk-in shelter connected. And when I was released from the hospital, they paid for an Uber to come straight from Tower 8 to the missions. That's awesome. And they opened up their doors and opened up their arms and heart for me and made me feel at home. And I was just comfortable. So what you so you're here now. What is what are you hoping to get out of the mission? I am hoping to get stronger mm -hmm. for myself get my mind set and make some goals on getting back into my kids' lives because since I've been running for the past year, I haven't talked to one of my children. I basically blocked out the fact that I even had children and just my life was set on the drugs. Yeah. I will say this. One, the one thing about the mission that's different, they have a biblical approach. Yes, they do. How do you feel? What do you? How do you feel about that? I'm a Christian, and I believe in a higher power. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping, and I know, not hoping, I know that as long as I keep God first, yep, that He's gonna bring me peace, to peace within myself, my heart, and He's gonna heal the wounds that I've been trying to heal with drugs and he's going to keep me sober and clean and I'm going to get to where I need to be for my children and myself. I like that because here's the thing I've always understood and know. God died for us because we'll never be good enough for him. Like that was the gap. Like from heaven, earth, there was this gap here. And to get across, God had to die for us. So meta metaphorically, like that cross kind of bridged the gap between heaven and hell. On our own, on our own, we're never going to be good enough. But because of Christ, He will. He He's He has one died for us for our sins. He has outstretched His hand to help help us. And I'm a huge, huge believer that with Christ's help, anything's possible. I don't know how you would take this, but I consider myself a soldier of God, mm -hmm. a warrior. And through all the trauma and struggles that I've been through, I made it out alive. Yep. All the battles and tests 
I'm here still and I fought and all it has done is made me stronger and I just think right now this is my next test. Yeah. I agree. You know, I think that the, the, in in the Christian walk, it's never going to be easy. Just because you're a Christian doesn't make it easy because you're still going to struggle with things, but you will have a way out with God's help. Definitely. 100%, 100%. Um, at the same time, you have to be willing to want that help and want to get out because it's kind of like, um, you know, God can save you wherever he wants, but we still have to make the choices. It's like, well, I'm going to jump off a bridge today, and God's going to save me. Well, he could, but you probably shouldn't jump off the bridge. Definitely. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like, I can take all these drugs, and God's going to save me. Yes, he could definitely do that, but you probably shouldn't take the drugs first. So I'm a huge believer God can do anything, but we also have to really make the choice to want to make to want to be the change that we want to have. And with God's help, we can definitely help us make that change because there are so many things that in life, it's like these big, gigantic mountains we're trying to climb. It's like climbing Mount Everest by yourself, no training, no emergency gear, no assistance. And then God comes along and goes, hey, we're going to do this together. Lean on me. Don't do this alone. Climb this mountain with me. And when you are going to struggle, my hand will be here to bring you back up this mountain. That's the way I view the Christian life. You know, Christ is always going to be there with us. We have to make the effort to do it. He's not going to just automatically just change our life and all of a sudden it's squeaky clean like we have. But we have to um, say, I want to change. I want to live for you. I need help kicking the habit. And once we start actively trying to do that, God will work in our lives and all of a sudden miracles happen. Yes, I give all my troubles to the Lord. That's awesome. I do and prayer has helped me. Mm-hmm. And without it, my mind wouldn't be clear like it is right now. And I'm thinking of day by day. I'm not thinking of the future. I'm Absolutely. not thinking of the past. I'm thinking of what can I do right now to keep myself sane and clean and sober? And when it comes to the point of getting back into my kid's life, I'll face that, them troubles and uh, that at that time. Right now, I have to focus on myself. Yes. And I, was just, I was just thinking that because I'm a father. I have two kids. And I will say, my kids... I notice when my kids are acting up because I'm not around enough. I can tell when they're distant. If they're distant from me, I can tell I have not spent enough time with them. Um, if I'm struggling with something and I'm angry, and if I take it out on my kids, it affects them. So in essence, as you were saying, you know, we need to be in a way... I'm not saying it's best to be away from your kids but i'm saying not at all we need to make sure our lives are together because if they're not together it's going to affect our kids for example your mom and dad that was a big big problem in my life growing up yeah and i'm assuming 
I have two amazing parents. My mom just passed away in June. My dad has stage three cancer. Yeah, so it's not great. But I had two amazing parents. Now, there are some things I did not like that they did. Um, so when I raise my kids, I try to do it a little bit different. So as parents, we learn from the mistakes of our parents. And one of the things that I'm sure that you kind of said that you learned was in order for you to be a good parent, you can't be on the drugs, the alcohol. You need to be there 100 percent mind, body and soul. Yes, my family, my parents gave up on me. I feel that till this day and I still like think about it once in a while, but I I do forgive them. Mm -hmm. You know, they had their own problems and they wasn't right with themselves and they didn't have their lives together. So how could they care and take care of me? I didn't think of that growing up Mm because I was young. And now that I'm older, all I can do is forgive them and try to make all my life right with them now. And even though they done wrong, yep. they're still my parents and I know they love me and I love them. So I do regret and feel like I failed my kids. Sure. But it's never too late. Absolutely. You may have failed your kids at that moment, but you didn't fail them for life. Because you're, you're only 39, yeah, which is great. I'm 38. You're only 39. Your well, life is only ha- your life is not even half over yet. I'm hoping not. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping not. But my point we is, live is day yeah. to day. I'm hoping not. But my but point but is, like you're yes. 39 years old, and you know, I believe if you w- are willing to change, and you're saying, and you're willing to give your, your life to Christ, and say, you know, God. In the Bible, well, let me break this down a little bit. So the Bible, one of my favorite verse in the Bible is in Matthew. It says, for Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You know, he could have, he was the king. You know, he could have come down to the earth and said, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. He could have came down looking like Brad Pitt, you know, all greased up, gorgeous. But it says in Isaiah, he was just an average looking person. He came down poor, and he came down to serve people. You know, I'm a firm believer that if this world served people more than serving themselves, this world would be so different. So my point is, is like, you know, you're 39 years old, and you look at it's it's like you're at a turning point. It's like, what am I going to do? I'm a firm believer if, and this is goes for me too. So when I say this, I'm not saying you directly, but I'm saying people as a whole. If we start, let's say you start serving other people rather than yourself. In other words, I'm going to focus on filling the needs of people around me instead of going out and filling my own selfish desires and taking on that Christ-like attitude. Not only will you have an impact on your life, but God's going to have such an impact on other people through you. Definitely. Hey, before we close, let me pray for you because... uh, you uh, you are an awesome guy. God, I pray for uh, Milton, God. His story is inspiring, God. His story is the story that very few people live out, but even fewer people make it out. Milton is at the edge of making it out, God, and I 
Thank you so much for his willingness to change, his willingness to follow you, his willingness to um, want to be a better father. God, I pray that if he has not, give his life to you. I pray that before he leaves today, he will he will turn his life to you. Because like it says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. God, I pray that before he leaves today, if he has not accepted you as his savior, he will sit back and realize, you know, there's only one way to heaven, and that's through you, God. I need to accept you in my life. I need to live for you, God. And then I pray that, like it says in James, that his actions and his faith will line up. And that will speak wonders to the people around him as he speaks about Jesus. And not only is he speaking about Jesus, he's living the life that you want him to live. God, I pray that he will not only accept you into his life, God, but he will live for you, God. Take the desire for drugs and alcohol away. Teach him what it means to serve. As we talked about when it says, for Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And then we look at um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. And at the end of verse 5, it says, consider... Um, it says in a summary, um, consider consider others better than yourself. So I pray that he'll learn to serve others, God, because that's what you came down this to this earth to do. We're not here to serve ourselves, but we're here to serve other people. And I pray when he leaves this mission, his life will be totally changed. His relationships will be changed. And at the end of the day, people cannot help but understand that Milton didn't change his life. You changed his life. And God, we give this to you today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys. Well, this was the Shelter Podcast. We had Milton on the podcast today. Great, great story. Good having you here, Milton. Thank you. Thank you. And um, until next time, guys, we'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 